Hello and welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Colette, which is based on true events. Yes, it's the biographical story of the famous French writer, the most famous female writer of all time. Gabrielle uh, Colette. Whom our listeners might best know as the person who imagined Gigi, the Oscar-winning film by uh, Vincente Minnelli with Leslie Caron playing uh, Gigi. Um, I think that's really where most people, most English-speaking people would know Colette from. Right. But the film um, concentrates on an earlier part of her life. Yes. When she became the writer. That she that's became, right. When she was writing Claudine Alecol and the series of Claudine books. Yes. Um, she wasn't. She didn't publish them under her own name. They were written under her husband's name, Willie, yes. who was a brand. Um, and, you know, the film was not quite what I expected. I guess I expected the story of how she took her name for herself, mm. you know? And that's not quite what the film does. Um, it has an element of that, but actually it's, it becomes um, a kind of sexual kind of power drama in some respects. And um, it's it's very much about um, the relationship between Willie and Claudine, uh, uh, Willie and Colette. Um, Willie's played by Dominic West, Colette's played by Kira Knightley. And they're kind of developing sort of sexual... Uh, Games, relationships, kind of, and the way that they're, 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 the way that their relationship is one of business, um, as well as a kind of affection to some degree. Well, to so a great, it's a, to a great degree. So it's a kind of interesting, but I also think it's got an abysmal script, and I think it's for stupid people. I think that's harsh. I think the the film I found it actually surprisingly entertaining and watchable, though it's not a good film. I think, you know, we need to be clear on that. And there were certain things that, as I was watching, really bothered me. So um, I think the film aims to be a queer film, i.e. akin to some of the new queer cinema of the early 1990s, but actually without the politics or the surprise or the confrontational in-your-face inventiveness and kind of rage in a way. Um, so it's a very sedate kind of look. I also think it's a very male look. So, you know, it might be a very gay male look, but actually uh, I would have appreciated a more female look at Colette. After all, you know, she's absolutely central to a certain kind of cultural lesbian imaginary, you know, throughout all of the middle of the last century. And she was kind of known for that. I mean, you know, part of the film, part of what the film tells us is that people know that she wrote the Claudine books, you know, even though it's supposed to be a secret because it's a sensibility that, you know, can only come from a woman, that can only Mm -hmm. come from her, right? So, So a film that's so much about you know, a, a character who embodied a certain kind of uh, uh, female desire, femininity, of a, a different kind of, I don't know, femaleness, womanhood, right? Well, the, the film talks about how, that, um, she, through the books, 
she gave voice to girls who were between girlhood and womanhood. That's right. And kind of enjoying a sexual awakening and, and developing all that kind of stuff. Which is, which is, you know, something that Willie would not have been able to imagine. Yeah. You know, it, it clearly had to have come from yes. a, a woman. Those, those so, so I was a bit disappointed that they couldn't find a female director for it. It's basically yeah. So, yeah, when you say it's got a gay male sensibility or gay male aesthetic, whatever, you say it because obviously the, the director is a gay man. Yes. As opposed to just having I mean, look. you know, I kind of, I normally, you know, I'm not an essentialist. I don't think that, you know, films about women necessarily need to be directed by women. But actually, there is something lacking in this film about that. I you think, know. yeah, I, I think it's got a very... Uh, very unimaginative plain look and I think it actually tries to do things with the direction but I think they're incredibly banal yes. I think, and this is also where I think the script is is garbage because it doesn't let anything go unsaid it starts off with these metaphors so for instance so, so right at the beginning when uh, Willie comes into Colette's life well not exactly comes into life they've known each other before that but where you first see them together um, he's come back from Paris she lives in Burgundy and um he gives her this snow globe with the Eiffel Tower in, which at the time, this is the late 1800s, the Eiffel Tower is new. Yes, yeah, um, modern. Exactly. And and he, and he says, what's this? And he says, turn it upside down. And as she does, obviously, it's a snow globe, so things mm. are happening. And there's like this metaphor of, ooh, turn the world upside down, and things yes. happen. And then you jump head to, they're married. She's trying to get into this dress that he's bought for her that he thinks she'll look fantastic in. And, it's, and she says, it's suffocating me. You know, oh, oh! I wonder if he's kind of suffocating her in her life, you know. And then they go to this party where he's showing off and kind of exaggerating himself, and she's not very happy there. And she sees this uh, tortoise that's diamond encrusted. It's a live tortoise. It's been decorated by the hosts, mm. and you know that's a kind of perfectly fine sort of uh, visual metaphor. Like it go- relates to the dress, you know. Kind of the, the tortoise is this pet that's been uh, kind of tarted up to be shown off Mm. and similarly the dress that he wanted to put on same sort of thing he wants to show her off and she's not happy there which is sort of fine but then the film doesn't let it go unsaid it doesn't let it just stay there she says in dialogue I felt like the tortoise there's things like that when I say when I say I think it's a film for stupid people it it holds your hand with that sort of stuff all the way through really yes Um, I found it dislikable in that respect it's quite still I I didn't find it dislikable because you know, I love, I mean, this is really like middle brow cinema, right? Mm. And I kind of like it. You know, I like um, films about famous writers. I like the milieu. I like the representation of that milieu. I like looking at the furniture and the dresses and the country houses. There are pleasures to be had in that. But it's, I think it's very stilted filmmaking. Mm. Uh, and some things, like I said, you know, they feel out of place. So, for example, it's amazing how many performances that take place in salons are done by men dressed up in drag or, you know, men voicing women's parts or, you know, so there's that whole attempt to be cool and queer and, you know, but actually it's kind of, it just seems stodgy and unimaginative and kind of retrograde at this moment, actually. It has no surprise. It has no shock. It doesn't seem to be making any statement. And on the other hand, it's detracting you know, from the main subject, which is Colette. Well, there, there was that thing with the mime. Yes. That the mime is is mouthing a song. Yeah. And he's in kind of a very pasty mime makeup. Uh, and then as the camera tracks around, 
it shows the woman who's actually singing the part that he's miming to. And, you know, again, well, there's a metaphor of she's the voice behind the the man who's pretending I suppose, to be, actually, know. you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. I just thought, what a stupid thing. No, I mean, I noticed, <laughs> that, I noticed that immediately. In fact, I noticed that even before the camera revealed that a woman was singing because it was obvious, you know, I mean, it's clear. Yeah. And, um, but to be fair, at least they didn't actually say in dialogue, oh, I'm just like him. Yes. <laughs> or I'm just like her. Um, I think... To me, the film is very much worth watching uh, because of Dominic West and Keira Knightley. Mm. I think Dominic West is fantastic. I think I've, I've been despairing about him because actually I haven't liked him in a lot of things, you know, including on stage. I went to see him in um, Le Liaison Dangereux uh, and, you know, I thought he was like, you know, fat and stodgy and, you know... Um, unlike the Valmont that uh, uh, I wanted and expected. Um, and I think I might have also seen him do restoration comedy. I'm not sure now. Um, but anyway, I haven't really loved him in anything since The Wire. Uh, and uh, I, I also saw him in the new Lara Croft film, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider film. Uh, and I didn't like him there either. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily like a huge fan and I just thought he was fantastic in this he's got he's got the right look and the right tempo and the right tenor of everything and uh, he starts off he's got this kind of wild sort of moustache and beard that tells it's, it's like a like a like vaudeville magician's type that says don't yes. trust me yes you know he's how like, can you possibly he's like a satire you know somebody who I mean he's bearded he's slightly overweight he's really into all the sensuous pleasures He's fun, he's witty, yeah. he's selfish, you know, kind of, he conveys all of that, really, and he's just marvellous. And I like uh, the way that the film constructs him as a kind of, uh, like a Thomas Edison or Steve Jobs type, where, you know, you, you would imagine, I mean, okay, so Edison and Steve Jobs, they were uh, kind of engineers and things, but what he's doing is running an art factory, Yes, you know, um, like these people write novels and they go into his name and later on he describes Willie as a brand. Yes. You know, um, not even as kind of himself. It's still what happens today. Yeah. Um, but, so, but, you know, the idea that it is actually described as a factory. He says yeah. very early on, the factory's running well. You know, yes. stuff like that. And um, Colette is, uh, is part of that factory early on and she's talked of herself as under house arrest. Yes. You know, and she scratches Willie's name into the glass like, like scratching your, the time into the prison wall or something, mm. you know, the days passed. Um, and, you know, I, th- I kind of like that. I kind of thought that was interesting because uh, actually you need, the first time you see him write mm. anything is much later on in the film when Colette ups and leaves mm. and he says, I'm, God, I'm, I'm sick of this. I can't do it. It's terrible. And um, and you get you get the whole thing. It's, it rem- reminded me a little bit of his performance and the construction of him uh, of The Greatest Showman. You know, again, of the kind of the smile mm. that com- that covers everything. Mm. Although in the Great Showman, it, I think you're actually meant to believe him a little bit. <laughs> Whereas in this, there is the, the, there is a marked difference. The whole way through the film is all about kind of identity and what you show and what you actually are, and that's a big part of it. You know, him, it's it's the version of you that you show completely masks who you are. I mean, that's that that that's that's completely central to the film. That, that idea, you know, hiding, p- portraying, you know, showing one thing. Yes, well, I mean, you know, he's basically taking credit for all of his wife's work. So I think, you know, there's an argument here about patriarchy. I mean, basically, you know, she has no rights. So, you know, the, the ha- their house is uh, um, bought with her money and, 
you know, she makes it, he spends it. The the only control that she can exercise over it is by leaving him, really. Mm. Um, so, which is kind of where the, the end of the film brings us to. But I thought the storytelling was so poor that I have never seen a post-film explanation as long as this one. Right, the film ends, and then you have what I don't know, seven intertitles telling you. No, 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 no. there's only two or three. No, there's more than that. There's no. the there's the one about the guy not burning the books. Yeah. You know, there's um, the other one about uh, her publishing a book that was you know became a success. There's the other one about you know her being France's most famous writer in history. Mm. You know, and there's the other one about her writing thirty odd more books. Okay. There's at least those, right? That's a lot. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I didn't pay attention to be honest because it was just I, again I just thought this is this is for stupid people. <laughs> is, I, I, like you can imagine, like I, th- th- there are points where the film even allu- not alludes to exactly, but certainly has echoes of things like Vertigo and Gone Girl. The similarity to Vertigo is in Kurt's appearance being changed to look like Claudine, right? Yes. The thing about cutting her hair, yes. you know, and people dre- and, and he dr- he says I'd like you to dress up. As the schoolgirl, yes, know? there's that, and then in Gone Girl, you've got the whole thing about, um, I, I forget the, the the woman's name in Gone Girl, but it's the the thing about the storybooks written as you know, based on her, mm. and and the and the storybooks are kind of the perfect version of her, you know. The thing is, like, so, and these are kind of these mad sort of psychosexual power dramas, which are amazing. And you kind of feel like there's a version of this that was like that and had some really interesting stuff. And then, like, a, an ITV producer said, yes, but will they understand it? No. I, I mean, it feels I, dumbed I, down. I, I, I don't... I don't... I mean, it's not a good film, so let's get that out of the way. But actually, I think what it does is, is more complex and interesting than you're making it out to be. So, you know, uh, Colette is Claudine. We see her you know, in the country with her mother. Uh, she's that kind of life. She, 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 be, she tells the story to her husband. The books become successful. All of a sudden, there are Claudines kind of coming out of, where, out of everywhere. Mm. So actually, these Claudines are stealing her identity as much as her husband, right? And then she is transformed into the imaginary Claudine who is now being played on stage by someone who she's made to to dress as, mm. right? And then kind of that kind of mirroring then extends to society as a whole, right? So, I, I mean, I thought all of that stuff was quite interesting. I also thought that that whole stuff about having an open marriage and coming to terms with it and creating different spheres of influence and one being more honest and in spite of this open relationship that relies on a kind of honesty, you know, the guy always lying, so the, the a selfishness of you know, always kind of wanting more and manipulating more and doing so under the guise of openness. I thought all of that was quite interesting. I and thought I sh- that was interesting. Yeah. And you don't see that, you know, in, in cinema very often. So I think there are ideas that are being discussed, yeah. you know, that, that was actually, not... That was, I think, where the film became interesting to me. I mean, I found it very banal until you got to the point where instead of Colette being just the victim of her husband, she starts to kind of participate and engage mm. in this sort of sexual business relationship where the where where it really first begins is that they are both having an affair with the same woman. That well, America- it starts off as her having an affair, and then he begins one behind her back. Exactly, and then she discovers him, and they mm. have this kind of coded conversation using the characters in the book. She said because the, the the books are uh, based on 
their actual exploits. I mean, mm. you, you even have it, it's, it's very, very explicit where um, Willie is saying to her, you know, you must use this, you must use this in your books. Mm. She says, no, I'm not going to, it's private, you know. Um, so they have that conversation where she basically says, you know, I, I've discovered you, and then they, they kind of become open about it together mm. to the point where she's, she's later on, have, uh, they're kind of live in lovers, you know, not, maybe not living, but their lovers are with them at the house in the countryside playing with the dog and they're sat together and he's going yeah I'm fucking her and she's fucking her and but it's more complex than that because but the point is that's where it's I'm, like, it's very... I'm fucking the Claudine you know the young Claudine that I initially kind of <laughs> fell in love with which is now you know the imaginary production of you know the wife who I'm also trying who I can only sleep with if she puts on a Claudine outfit as well mm-hmm. so actually he's fixated on this kind of image yeah root image it's kind of the image of the of the young novice country girl unsophisticated unspoiled um so and it's and 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 he transforms everyone in his world and into that and he can only be like uh um sexual where with that image i mean he's impotent otherwise really Mm. So, so I thought all of that was interesting. Um, I thought Kira Knightley was great, you know, and, um, and and kind of not quite done justice to, you know, because I think she has moments where she's extraordinarily beautiful, you know, and daring actually in her performance, um, and kind of the camera and direction let her down, yeah. you know. I think um, she's often not photographed to advantage though it's very difficult to film her in a way that she's not beautiful but you know kind of from some angles her features can come across quite harsh uh and the film is guilty of that and then all of the dance scenes which actually i thought she was quite good at really they could have been made more exciting more lyrical more expressive than they were they were very very statically filmed um and actually that moment you know, where she's doing the music hall and she rips off her top so that you show one breast. I thought that was so badly done. Mm. I mean, it's meant to be kind of um, theatrical, you know, and slightly old-fashioned and so on and shocking. But really, it's almost like a lost... The way it's filmed, it's just, you know, I think in a middle shot, you know, a a, a mid-length shot from rather far away and it's just like, it loses all impact. It's... All of the direction, I think, is is illustrative rather than expressive. Mm. It's just it's it's put a script on screen mm. as opposed to actually really kind of investigating the text, mm. and making something of it. I think um, one of the I, things looking at the credits that I thought was so interesting is you know there were a lot of uh, um, women's names on them, right? So you know we mentioned Christine Vachon, um, you know who's a very very famous producer. But actually, there was there was all, all other producers who were also women. You mentioned that the screenwriter of one this of, ab- one of the screenwriters is Rebecca Lenkovich, yes. who co-wrote Disobedience, yes. which we loved, yes, um, and and also co-wrote Ida by Paul Pawlikowski. Yes, I love that as well. And I I found that remarkable that that this script was partially responsible. Yeah, she was partially. I, I mean, you don't you have no idea kind of who played what parts, but. Um, obviously, there are kind of certain similarities, yes. at least at a very basic level, between this and um, and disobedience. But I, I thought 
Jesus, what happened? Yes. Well, there were moments that, you know, the reason why I'm bringing up nuclear cinema so often is because Christine Vachon was such a central figure, but also because those films did things like that, that were mm. disjunctive or they, they it melded, you know, uh, past and present, which this one actually doesn't do. Um, but, you know, having drag or things like that, right? Um, but what it also had was some very stodgy performances, yeah, like kind of, you know, or moments that stood out as stiff and stilted, but they were nonetheless compensated by a kind of, you know, a liveliness that came from a certain kind of rage or energy or a desire for representation. This film has the stiffness or stiltedness, you know, of those films without the energy. And there are some performances that I think are just like unbelievably bad Right. So and, and actually they're 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 central to the story. So I think, you know, the the rich woman who Colette has her first affair with, oh, who God. she shares with the husband. Right. Who's meant to have like the southern accent. She's just terrible, mm. you know, and actually the 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 butch woman, you know, who she um, gets Missy. on Missy, Missy, you know, such a central character. And of course, the look of the performer playing Missy is fantastic but actually she's not expressive enough you know so moments which are are meant to carry a great deal of emotional weight like when she says i love you and colette doesn't respond or then you know the moment in the train where colette finally responds or returns the i love you you know kind of there there's no dynamic interplay between the performers right so mm. you know you can believe uh kira knightley's colette and then it hits like a brick wall and the other performer. Yeah, that, it turns into a very flat moment, those, those things. But I, I, what I liked about Missy was, um, well, I kind of liked and disliked it. So I like the kind of representational aspect. I like the inclusive aspect mm. that although Colette is obviously the central character to the entire film, um, there is a range of uh, sort of experience that is allowed to be uh, kind of expressed in hers. Uh, is is particularly one of them, Missy's, um, as this kind of uh, not not transgender, but uh, sort of un- very androgynous figure. Well, transgender as well, because later on she's re- she's referred to as a he, and and Colette is very specific about that, mm. saying it's him, not her, and um, and you know this is very early on when you first see him. It's uh, wearing trousers, mm. and it's like, and the and the guy sat with Colette says, well, you know. He's he's uh, is he descended from a Tsar on one side and Louis the Fourteenth on the other or something, which is how he, she gets away with it. Mm. Um, so and she she's a very interesting presence, and yes. I like the fact that she's she's given space. that's a good word presence. She does have a very interesting presence. Yeah, and and she slash he is given um, a voice as well. Is allowed to actually express kind of his experience. Um, it's not just. So I, I think there is. I was talking to Laura about this just in, uh, a little bit because she's seen the film as well, and she she was saying that she felt there was a lack of historical context to the presentation of Missy and kind of the LGBT experience, and I think that's true to an extent, but I think it's pretty clear what society makes of Missy. Yes, I don't. I didn't have a problem um, with that, and and also what Missy makes of her place in society and the way society sees her. Yes. You know. Um, so I, I just... I found that interesting and I liked I liked the level to which the, the kind of... the, the, the status 
within the kind of film that Missy was afforded. That it, she was slightly more than a supporting player. You felt there was a little more to her than that. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's one of the better things the film does. Well, I like the character and I like the presence. Uh, I'm just sorry that, you know, uh, the performer who had that presence nonetheless was not an actress. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> yeah I think that's probably fair. Um, I, I, I think my problems do ultimately all come down to the script and direction. I think, I think the actors deserve better. Yes, what they I think I think I would agree with that, um, and not just the actors, everything else, because you know, in some way, I mean, I love the look of the film, you know, and the set design and the costumes and so on. They really evoke that period. I really loved mm. seeing all of that. Right, it's just that it's so poorly directed, really. Yeah, and written, and written. Well, how's that thing? Um, there's a great thing in Futurama uh, where Fry puts on this play. And it's kind of in equal parts amazing and terrible, mm. and and the dialogue is awful. And at one point, the robot devil jumps up on stage and says, "You can't just have your characters announce how they feel. That makes me feel angry." Mm. This film has a lot of that. Like that, that there's the um, uh, the final speech that uh, or monologue that um, Colette has, where she basically gives. Willie kind of what for and tells him this is it we're done mm. I'm leaving and this is what you've done to me in my life and mm. she delivers it fantastically you mm. know no blinking you know just stares him down mm. and she's great Kira Knightley but the actual dialogue is it's the most obvious that's what the film is it's obvious mm. pretty much all the way through apart from those moments where actually it, it kind of it does occasionally complicate things the film lurches between very obvious banal things and and weird things you think. God, what's going on here? Like the things that happen on stage. Go, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't, you know, this is a bit different. The film does lurch, mm. but it, it, it... I don't think it ever complicates things intelligently enough. Yes. Um, well, for me... Or consistently enough. It's inconsistent. Well, I, I would agree with all of that, but I would also add that the film's biggest sin for me is showing the lesbian sex scenes so dispassionately <laughs> you know it's like you have dominic west on the one hand who just gleefully dives into every bed and is you know lascivious and lustful and enjoys it all and then you have like these sex scenes between the women that are just like so careful and uh, and you know no tongue and like it's they're so dispassionate mm. and, and careful and you know, and and actually, I think it kind of destroys part of the message and feeling of the film. You know, kind of Colette, you know, Colette's love for women is a driving force, yeah. right? And you you you're kind of told that, or well, you're not even told that actually. I think it's kind of you you can deduce that, but you definitely don't see it. Yeah, it's too safe. It's too tame. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, I I think it, it's a film that feels barbarized. Yes. You know, pasteurized like it's there is a really interesting, dirty, alive version of this film that I think has been dulled. Yes. Somewhere, you know. I was I was very disappointed. I, I the trailer looked fantastic. I thought this is going to be really something. Um and I was I don't know. I mean, I think you know, one of the things that I do want to say is I was I was thinking about this earlier today. Um and I haven't looked it up. Uh, but just from memory, uh, and actually I will, let me look it up right now. 
I think part of the problem is the choices that Kira Knightley herself makes. You know, she makes quite um, safe choices. She's got a real middle brow sensibility. You know, so she's appeared in Jane Austen. Uh, she, you know, she was Anna Karenina. Uh, um, she was the Duchess. Uh, she was in Atonement, which is a literary adaptation, right? Like, so it's like these adaptations of literary classics are the kinds of things that she specializes in, you know? Mm. And so actually there's... She's a bit Merchant Ivory. Yeah. But, but you know, with people who are not as good as Merchant Ivory, really. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I, you know, if I were her agent, I'd tell her, you need to work with better filmmakers and something kind of you know, raw, you, you know, you need, to, you, you need to like leave the middle brow behind you. You've done enough kind of, She you did know. the Cronenberg, didn't she? A Which, Dangerous Method. Yes. The um, psycho, uh, the, what's it, Young and Freud one. Okay, I haven't seen um, that. But uh, that does appear to be more or less the only sort of, the only I mean, slightly out there one. Never Let Me Go, Atonement, uh, uh, the King Arthur, Love Actually. Mm. Uh, what's the Jane Austen? Oh, that was a very early one. I forget now. Um, I Pride mean, and Prejudice. Pride and Pre did she do Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know. So. Yeah, you're um, right. I mean, it's it's part of a pattern, isn't it? With that you know? said, she's grown on me a lot. I used to really not like her. Oh, I I love her. And um, and I, I used to I used to think she can't act. Um. I think that was actually probably true. I think if you go back and look at her earlier films, I think. It's but I loved true. her first she's, film, she's, the I, football one. I I love that like film. Yes, I never saw them. But um, I did. I just but she's. I think she's. She's definitely improved a lot, and I think she's. Yeah. Well, I think I've she's like. I've started to like her more. She's become more likable too. I really. think she's more become very good, and and to me, like I remember seeing Anna Karenina, which which actually was quite imaginatively staged. And I thought, you know, she was as beautiful as any movie star diva. You know, she was like like Garbo or Dietrich in that film. She's just kind of filmed like she's her face is a work of art in it, really. So and I'm, I sure, get, I'm sure she worked hard on it. Well, I'm sure she had a whole team working hard on it. Nonetheless, she could pull that off, uh, whereas others can't. Um, but, you know, it's just it's. It's it's just a um, a very safe, um, very English middle brow filmography, and mm -hmm. you know she needs to change management and and take more chances. I mean because basically you know to I I think she's been doing the Pirates of the Caribbean films as like her Hollywood, uh, you know cash films, you know but then to actually spend that capital you know on making the Duchess. Or, or you know, atonement or things like that is like a waste of capital, mm. you know. So, um, kind of literary adaptations are not what you spend that kind of box office capital on. Mm. Uh, so, um, anyway, that's just you know my message to Kira. <laughs> well, I hope she's listening. <laughs> so yeah, I was no let down by Colette. Yes, um, I must say I enjoyed watching it, uh, even though it's not a very good film. Uh, it's so, going to be shown on ITV soon. That's, yeah, that's the, you know that's the damning indictment of it. For me. Yeah, and it won't lose much, you know. So uh, um, if you can wait, uh, do. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank Goodbye. you very much. Thank <laughs> you.